good day. Welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast backed by a 120 power star rating. If you love Nintendo, come on in. Woohoo! everybody and welcome to the house of mario the south australian nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating i'm your host drew agnew and the doors episode 254 are open hope you're going well hope you're having a fantastic day wherever and whenever you're checking out the show and uh, this episode it was very nice to be introduced by super mario himself he finally swung around the house to make sure we're looking after things. But uh, I think he's quite happy with how things are going. But look, I can't lie. Uh, that actually wasn't Super Mario. Uh, now that I'm on video, I can't uh, do little funny tricks like that. And uh, ha- have you guys believed them? Because believe it or not, that that actually was me. I was doing the voice of uh, Super Mario. He did, in fact, not come to the house of Mario. But I thought I would try and, you know, Get that Mario voice going now that Charles Martinet has finally put out his little uh, going away video. He's no longer the voice of Super Mario officially within the games. So that's a good chance for a big old Drooby to step in. He's never voice acted in his life. He's never practiced. He's never coached. But I'm sure he could step up to one of the most iconic voices in modern media. You know, sure, why not? <laughs> How hard can it be? I'd imagine there would be some things like, uh, you know, there's all of the Mario, there's the two Mario brothers, there's Wario, Waluigi. So there's a lot of stuff going on there to uh, get some lines covered. Be like, uh, Waluigi, <laughs> Waluigi time. There's Waluigi, there's Wario, it's a bit deeper. Like, <laughs> Wario. Anyway, uh, I don't have, I don't have Luigi. Luigi's one of the characters which, um, I haven't really thought about that much. Be like, Wah! no, no, <laughs> we got it. We got to practice our uh, Luigi. But look, I'll, I'll get there. I'll be the voice of Mario one day. Don't you worry about that. Um, from humble beginnings here at the house of Mario, all the way to the big end itself. But um, in in all seriousness, just a massive, massive respect to Charles Martinet for just his, his legacy he's laid out over the decades of voicing the character. That iconic voice come from his head. And who knows if Mario would be where where it is today just with how recognizable that voice is. Because all of the sound effects, the theme, everything from the first game was just so iconic. And then going into the 3D era with Mario 64, it was just brought into a brand new light through his voice. So just, um, you know, Charles Martin has done a lot for the gaming industry and Nintendo as we know it today. So... Big shout out to him. I'm glad that he's an ambassador. He's going to be doing his thing from now on. Gets to go around conventions and get paid to sign autographs and all that type of thing. Um, it's pretty cool. Nintendo did actually release like a three-minute video with Shigeru Miyamoto and Charles Martinet sort of discussing, you know, just thanking one another for, you know, creating Mario and also voicing Mario. There's a lot of talking about bringing joy to players across the world and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, fair enough. They said uh, bring joy to players probably 10 times within three minutes. So, you know, we got the point. You, you have brought a lot of joy to a lot of people throughout the year. So, yes, that is true. 
but I was sort of watching it and being like, yeah, this could have been like, <laughs> it could have been like one minute, but uh, I can't talk. Here we are doing a podcast. I'll probably ramble on as it is, but um, yes. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, Charles Martinet, thank you very much for your time, your service, and I will be taking your job now that you've stepped down. You've uh, you've left a you've left a hole open. I'm going to dive in that hole, mate. I'm going to dive right in that hole. I'm going to take it. Um, but yeah, if anybody wants to just <laughs> this is how it works. I'm sure you get um just like recommended. Like yeah, I reckon I reckon that guy from the House of Mario podcast should have voiced Mario. Like you know, send a letter to Nintendo. I'm sure they'll read it, and um, yeah, they'll get in contact with me, and that's um. That's how I expect things to happen. Um, but I, I do wonder, like, uh, with the Mario cast already being, you know, cast for WarioWare Move It and Super Mario Brothers Wonder, I wonder if we're ever going to find out who those people are, apart from just credits at the end when we finish the games. Because are they actually going to... Suge- are they actually going to, like, give Mario a new voice, a new face of the voice of Mario, like Charles Martinet was? Or are they going to keep it just down low and just have the name and the credits, not have it as like a, a public persona. And so that each game, they can hire someone different. Like the voice is bigger than any person, even bigger than Charles Martinet. That's just how iconic the voice is. So just from um, a behind the scenes point of view, I'm really interested to see what they'll do with that, whether we will see a new voice or a new face of the voice or the voice will just live on through multiple, multiple people over the years and it won't be, nailed down to one particular person. But uh, we'll find out when we complete Mario Wonder, I think. Unless we get in the direct. There's been rumours of a direct in a couple of weeks. That'll be exciting. I don't know what they're going to be talking about, though. Because we've got so many games sort of outlined for the rest of this year. Are we going to be seeing more games like early next year? Mm. Mm. There's a lot going on, rumour-wise. A lot going on, rumour-wise. But the last week, I actually had a lot of fun playing Pokemon Go. I mentioned it last episode, but I was getting back into it and they had Pokemon Go Fest 2023. And this is a global event that you can buy a ticket for and you can participate wherever in the world you are. And um, I spent the day with my son, we're at the playground, and I actually ran into um, one of my good old friends from well, it was almost uh, almost primary school when we were friends. And he's a dad as well, so we were both at the playground and... Uh, we, sort of, we did some trading. He needed some Pokemon from... He needed the Mr. Mime and he needed a... Oh, Mr. Mister Mime and a Tauros. They're like regional Pokemon that I actually had um, through an event maybe a couple of years ago. I think it was a, another Pokemon Go Fest. So I was able to trade him a Mr. Mime and a Tauros and it made him very happy. Asked for nothing in return. That's just the good old bloke I am. Bloody <laughs> Nothing, mate. But in a couple of years' time, I'd be like, mate, I need some cash. You'd be like, mate, I don't, I'm not giving you cash. But I'll say to him, mate, I gave you that Mr. Mom and Tauros. I think you fucking owe me. And I'll get really aggressive about it too. <laughs> uh, not so much. Not so much. So, yeah, I've been enjoying Pokemon Go. Um, you know, I did pay for that event. But for the most part, I've just been like going running, going for walks. And I've actually been smashing the 50K weekly limit as well been getting over that, been getting like the max rewards. And before that, I don't think I've ever actually hit the 50K mark on Pokemon Go. For those that don't play, um, if you like do a certain amount of Ks throughout the week, it gets added up. And then on the Monday, you get bonuses like Pokeballs, a couple of eggs, you know, just stuff to, to help you with your with your game. 
and I've been doing the 50K, so, you know, good for me. I think it's just because I'm wearing, like, the Apple Watch a lot more, and, yeah, it just um, actually tallies things up. So, yeah, been enjoying the Pokemon Go and um, been playing some other things, so we'll talk about it a little bit later. But I want to jump into the Super Mario Bros. Nintendo Direct. Is 15 minutes of telling us what's going on in this brand new 2D Mario game. And it looks awesome. You know, I don't even mean to say the pun, but they actually picked a really suitable word for the game they're making. It looks wonderful. It looks awesome. I cannot wait to play it. It's been over 10 years since the last 2D Mario game. Unless, you know, you didn't have a Wii U and you recently played, uh, was it New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe? But, uh, you know, for the most part, if you've been playing every Nintendo console, you bought the Wii U, you suffered through it. It's been 10 years since the last 2D Mario game, and we've been waiting for a long time for a shake-up, something new, and uh, this certainly looks like it. In some ways, though, when I look look at it, it looks very similar to New Super Mario Bros. U, but it's only when you look closely at the characters, everything just looks so much more animated, detailed, and just uh, the whole sort of every character's animation and personality that just exudes out of them. It looks awesome. I cannot wait to um, play some of these characters. Um, one of the things that actually impressed me the most was actually like the the selection of characters that you have access to. I love that you have Daisy and Peach in there, and um, obviously you got Mario and um, what's his what's his name? Um, um, oh, Luigi, the, the the brother nobody cares about. Of course, no one cares about Luigi. Um, no one cares about Luigi's Mansion or any of those games. You know, it's very overlooked. And uh, and the couple of colors of Toads and Toadette. I think that's awesome that you can play as them. But I was super excited when I saw Yoshi, and just the fact that he is the you know the I guess like the the young kids character. He's invincible, can't die unless he falls off a cliff or falls in lava. That type of thing. And I got to admit, I was really disappointed because when I saw Yoshi, I'm like, yes, I'm playing as him. That is the character I'll be playing as because no matter how many characters that add to Mario Kart or any of these other games, I will be 100% playing Yoshi. But, man, it's uh, a little bit heartbreaking just that, uh, you know, Yoshi's the, the character. So maybe my son, when he's old enough, he can play as Yoshi. But me at 29 years old, I can't play as Yoshi. You know, like, what will people think? So, Drew, are you playing... That, are you playing the character that can't die? But yeah, yeah, I am. I just, I just want to see Yoshi jump around. I, I want to, I want to play as a Yoshi rather than another Yoshi. Like that is the type of revolution I'm looking for when it comes to 2D Mario. Yoshi on Yoshi action, not not in the sick way, just the the cool, cute way. You know what I mean? Um, but in all seriousness, though, one of uh, one of the parts I was so excited about was when Yoshi swallowed an enemy. And usually in like Yoshi's Island and stuff like that, his cheeks blow up and he's just got his mouth full. But in this game, he's like bottom lip went over his nose. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> it looked so cute. It looks really awesome. So I'm looking forward to playing a couple of levels as Yoshi. Nabbit looks pretty cool too. How uh, he had like he brought out his hat and he could float down and Yoshi had his flutter kick like he does from Yoshi's Island. Um, but the other characters as well, just like they can use power-ups, have access to Wonder Seeds and all of that too. And the power-ups power look awesome. Elephant, the elephant fruit looks wonderful. The drill hat looks great. And the little bubble power-up as well looked interesting. It looked the least appealing out of the three, but um, 
you know, getting your hands on it and seeing what type of puzzles and shortcuts and, uh, you know, secret exits and things like that, if they implement some of that stuff and how you can use it, that's when, you know, the game will really kick into gear. So really looking forward to jumping into the game, the characters, the art design, all looks awesome. But they talked about badges in this Nintendo Direct as well. How like some might may enhance your wall jumping abilities, others give you a dolphin kick when you're swimming, others you can like shoot uh, vines out of your hands. Looks like you're Spider Man, in case you don't get enough Spider Man action on on the October twentieth. And uh, there's a bunch of yeah badges, so I'm looking forward to playing through some of them. And some of these abilities kind of remind me a little bit of like uh, maybe some other two D games like Celeste or you know some other indie titles where you're actually able to put different modifiers on your characters and have it like a little bit more fast, a little bit more gameplay orientated. So it looks like a lot of fun. Can't wait to dive into that, especially with all the challenges and the speed runs and things like that that implemented in this game. And as well as like the, the multiplayer, the local multiplayer was pretty much what I expected it to be, what you probably expect from previous Mario games. Um, especially like New Super Mario Bros. U and New Super Mario Bros. Wii, where you're all together just causing mayhem. Just uh, in some ways it might be a fun time, other times it uh, might not be so much fun. But I've got to be honest that the online play did impress me a bit. It seems a little bit strange that you can't do the same that you you do locally, where you all jump together and you could like jump on each other, ride each other, you know, do whatever you need to do. Um, but it seems like it's you can play with one another, but it's you know you're transparent and you're not actually interacting with one another. You can see each other. You can lay out some signs as um, as uh, some spawn points. So if somebody dies, they can come back instead of going back to the, the middle of the level or the start of the level. That seems pretty cool. And I actually kind of like that because for the most part, I'm not going to be reaching out to friends to be like, hey, do you want to play some four player Mario? It's probably just not going to happen. Um, for the most part going to be playing by myself on my TV, just having having fun that way. So I hope that it's um, it's just going to be, it's just going to be good. And the end, they announced a brand new Nintendo Switch special edition, Mario Red edition for the Nintendo Switch OLED. And this was rumored beforehand. And I was a little bit nervous because... Uh, with the first Nintendo Switch, they released a Mario Red version as well, and I absolutely loved it. I traded in my original for it, and I loved the red exterior. And it's the only actual Nintendo Switch, but it actually has a different color. Um, you know, you can get different Joy-Cons, all of that. And for the most part, with the special editions, they've got like patterns on the back and all of that, you know, fun stuff, and a lot look great. But this was the first one that was actually like red. It's just a different color. And when it was rumored, I'm like, oh, I, really, I really like my red one, but I couldn't go back to it after having an OLED. So the fact that they were bringing out an actual OLED for this, I was a little bit nervous in some ways. Just like, mm, all right, you know, I hope I don't really want to be spending money on a new Switch. There's a lot of reasons why um, <laughs> inflation, all of that type of stuff. I've already got six, you know, do I need a seventh? Mm, probably not, but I'll be tempted. And at the end of the, the uh, direct, they showed it off. Looks you know, exactly the same, exactly what I expected. Um, but it doesn't have like red around the border on the front. It's just the, the exact same front of the just a normal Switch OLED. So fortunately, you know, Nintendo sort of stuffed that up and I'm 
I feel safe that I don't need to get one. And comparing it to my uh, other Nintendo Switch as well, the, the Mario Red version, you don't get a carry case. Uh, on that uh, other version, the uh, Joy-Con grip was blue as well. So it just it just had a lot more detail in it as well as like the straps for the Joy-Con. They were Mario colored and the little bit that you used to tighten up the wrist strap was yellow. So it looks like a coin. But uh, this has sort of none of that. It's just like all red. There's nothing blue in it. You just get a black Joy-Con grip. Not that I use the Joy-Con grip anyway. I'm not a, uh, you know, a serial killer <laughs> as far as that goes. <laughs> I'm only joking if you use that. But yeah, I can't play with the Joy-Con grip in TV mode. But yes, yeah, so I feel safe because yeah, it, it just that tiny little border around the front would have uh, would have just sealed the deal for me. But it's frustrating in some ways because I can understand why because that little bit of plastic that goes around the front, you know, they would have to completely change whatever's going on in the factory to like make that little change to get the color right. Whereas it, you know, it would have just been more simple just to, to keep it how it is and have the rest of the plastic shell red so i understand why it's similar to why on the um mario red edition um previously the little kickstand the little flap on the original switch it was black so it just stood out like anything when it was on the on the back which is just really frustrating because yeah they obviously just like look this little bit of plastic we're not going to print it in red you know that will you know tamper with the, the the construction line or whatever a little bit too much so I'm safe. I know a lot of people are poo-pooing it because it's a really bad Mario special edition, but red's my favorite color. So it works out. <laughs> That's the only reason. I just want a red one. I don't particularly need a Mario one, but um, the most Mario stuff's on the dock itself, but it's on the back. So if you look on the back, there's a little Mario silhouette as well as coins if you take off the back cover and you have them next to the USB ports. But um, kind of strange in some ways, but yeah, that's their big Mario edition. It's just um, kind of boring. But uh, I think all of the Switches in general, like the special editions, they have they have been boring. It's just um, sort of how it's been. Um, you might say, well, if they've been boring, how come you got six of them? You know, I'm like, yeah, touche. Touche, you got me. I can't, I can't, uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't answer that question. But um, also around the time I've, uh, you know, just started recording this as well, we've gotten some sort of reports from different outlets that Nintendo has been showing the next generation console behind doors at Gamescom a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, in some ways it makes sense. There's no real sort of place developers gather, like in in that type of mass like there were before. I think E3 would have been that typical place within the States and you know, everyone's coming together, but now E3 out the window and summer's game, summer game fest as well, you know, not being quite as big, maybe not um, drawing in quite as many developers and publishers. I think Gamescom actually sounds like a pretty suitable place for it, especially the fact that, you know, Nintendo was there. So I'm just going to read this from PCMag.com and sort of, you know, talk about it from there. It's pretty exciting if this is real, but of course, take it with just a, a massive grain of salt. So the article reads, Nintendo is ready to start showing developers Switch 2 hardware and it's using a modified version of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild to demonstrate what the new console can do. As Eurogamer reports during Gamescom last month in Chlorine, Nintendo held meetings with game developers and publishers behind closed doors. Prototype Switch 2 hardware was used to run Breath of the Wild 
Um, we already know how good the game can look thanks to PC emulation, as well as a number of tech demos. No details have been shared as to how capable the new hybrid console is, but the meetings are a clear sign that Nintendo is preparing for a launch. We're not expected... Uh, we're not expecting the Switch 2 to launch this year, but earlier rather than later in 2024 seems likely now. For reference, the Switch launched in March 2000, March 3rd in 2017, which was a Friday. The equivalent in 2024 would either be March 1st or March 8th. Nintendo certainly isn't done with the original Switch just yet and, and is hoping for to keep strong sales for the rest of the year. Alongside the limited edition Mario Red console, uh, we have Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Luigi's Mansion 2, and a new Princess Peach game to look forward to. Anyone currently enjoying The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom may be disappointed to discover Nintendo isn't releasing any DLC um, for the game. However, a new Zelda game is planned and is clearly be released for Switch 2. Perhaps we'll get a re-release upgrade for Breath of the Wild on the new console. So a bit of conjecture at the end there. But uh, yeah, we, we got some sort of interesting things. I don't think um, it's nothing that actually tells us like this is what it's going to be called. This is what it's going to be when it's going to come out. There's a lot of sort of guesswork to come out. Um, I can tell everybody right now, um, I did not get her access behind closed doors at Gamescom. But I can tell you right now, it will not come out in March next year. It will come out the earliest, you know, mid-year or it will be like a holiday item, much like you would expect from a traditional console launch. And the reason that is, is because with the, the launch of the Switch, they were in a completely different place. Nintendo was no longer producing Wii U's since like for three months at that point. They stopped producing Wii U's at the end of 2016. And going into 2017, you know, they're putting all of their eggs into the Switch basket. And, uh, you know, if that worked, it worked. If it didn't, you know, Nintendo would look very different today as it currently does. But um, they're still trying to push Switches. They've got Mario Wonder. They've got Mario RPG. They've got, you know, they've got, uh, what's it called? Uh, WarioWare. You know, that game I'm really looking forward to. They've got a bunch of stuff coming out. They're going to be pushing Switches really hard over the holiday season. I think it would be a massive mistake to, you know, try and push Switch and get new audiences into the console. And Van just hit him with a one-two punch, being like, "All right, you just got a switch for Christmas, and there's another one out. Like that'll be that'll be pretty rough." <laughs> and um, so yeah, we're, we're definitely probably maybe <laughs> not going to get switch switch to in March, but I can see like a little bit more time in between that. Say like if they want to release the next console a little bit earlier, so like all the hardcore uh, hardcore adopters buy it um you know they can still produce more for the holiday season and then going into the holiday season they've got it in hardcore people's hands that can push it and basically word of mouth advertise it to other people leading into christmas rather than just being like the very start you know during the christmas rush when everyone's going to get presents and things like that so yeah so i, I would expect earliest june like mid-year and um I think like a September launch pretty much this time next year would be a perfect time. Get it out a little bit earlier. Don't just do the big holiday Black Friday rush. Don't jump into that, but try and get it out a little bit earlier. But it depends where they are as far as, you know, getting it together and getting launch games ready. And there's a lot of factors coming into it. I think uh, as long as they have a heavy hitting game and the, uh, you know, 
the OS and that doesn't crash. We're getting it, hopefully get out that little bit early before Christmas. But it's interesting that um, a lot of reports are like reporting that it's extremely powerful. It's, it's capable of ray tracing and um, it's got PS5 comparable graphics. And, you know, there's a lot of things where I'm like, whoa, 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 don't get too ahead of yourself. That sounds a little bit ridiculous. Like the size of, um, you know, a PC to run that type of spec, the size of a PlayStation 5, the size of an Xbox Series S even. Getting that to a handheld would be very impressive, even comparing it to like my Asus ROG Ally. You know, that's a thick that's a thick boy, but it's also not it's not pumping out PlayStation 5 comparable graphics. It's not pumping out, you know, all that type of thing. And so it'll be interesting to see if that's true, if people are just um, you know, exaggerating it a little bit, or if that's true, that is exciting. Because from Nintendo's perspective, when you look at the Switch, it's a massive success. Their games are selling bonkers just how how well their games are selling it's so impressive from mario kart super smash brothers all the pokemon games they're all smashing over 20 million each which is absolutely crazy but when you look at their profits compared to playstation apple especially apple's you know with the app store it's just absolutely nuts but you know they're not making as much money because a lot of third-party games are not on switch Obviously, the indie games are great. That's where I love playing my indie titles. But, you know, all of the big hitting games this year, whether it's from, you know, Jedi Survivor, whether it's from Street Fighter VI, and there's a lot of games like that, just the multi-platform games that aren't on a Nintendo console. So while Nintendo aren't really all that worried about power, they may really want all of those games on their platform so people are engaged and spending money they're getting the 30 percent rip and that's um what they what they see moving forward because with nintendo's position in the market now i don't think they'll keep going how they are now they'll keep the the hybrid model i think people want that i want that that's for sure but they also want to sort of step it up and i think take a little bit more away or just step into what PlayStation and Xbox doing a little bit more. Obviously not fully, but they do want more of those games on their platform that people are playing. And I think uh, it's just a, a given as well, even if it's not super powerful and it's more comparable to a PlayStation 4. Just think about how many more games this, that next console has access to over the last 10 years of those other platforms where like you know stuff like Elden Ring had a PlayStation 4 version as well as PS5 version. And um, we're also seeing Jedi Survivor get a PlayStation 4 version. It's being ported backwards. And I highly believe that's because that game is being targeted for the next generation Nintendo console. And I'll be surprised if that game isn't a launch title for early um, early in that console's life as well. Um, it is interesting, yeah, that, uh, you know... the. <laughs> the new console will be giving sort of life back to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox one in some ways and uh, vice versa, you know, it will be in that world, but it might be closer to the current generation consoles than we, th- than we think, but I wouldn't get too, too excited about that. Um, Cause they can make it as powerful as they want, but it needs a battery and all that to <laughs> be able to run it. Um, whether it's just be- because it might just run stuff like that when it's docked, that will be a great sort of, way to go about it very excited to find out more about it but it's not a surprise that uh 
developers and maybe press did get a did get a look at it because people need to start making games about it and you know getting ideas about how they can use the new tech and the new ideas i dare say nintendo's going to be pumping into it but man can't wait it's going to be a it's going to be a wicked year next year because yeah i'm just on my nintendo news now and, and uh Universo claims that the final Switch 2 hardware has 12 gigabytes of RAM, ray tracing possible, plus DLSS uh, 3.1. And the DL- DLSS, <laughs> I can't say, DLSS is actually the really exciting part because that's what's going to upscale it from whatever resolution it can natively produce up to 4K for, you know, modern TVs. And that that'll be something that'll be wicked just in general. Because I think like my Asus ROG Ally, it is just a PC, and uh, when it is performing 4K on a TV, when you plug it in for a USB-C, it is producing that 4K itself. And, uh, you know, it's not great on the battery. It's not great on performance for, you know, everything else that's going on when it comes to frame rate and graphical fidelity. So DL- DLSS <laughs> is, a, is a great thing if it, if it has it. But uh, that is just stuff that's written online and is not in front of our faces. So we will find out later one day <laughs> but let's keep an eye out it's going to be awesome once uh once we get the word from nintendo themselves so let's jump into some housekeeping before we continue on with the show i just wanted you guys to go and check out youtube.com slash where you can support the show you can um, subscribe you can do all that type of stuff you know just do what you do on youtube it's, it is what it is i'm actually at 199 subscribers so if anybody hasn't Get me to 200. I just need one more. Just one more cheeky little subscriber. That's all I need. And uh, this week's sleepover episode, the guest spot here at the house of Mario, had my good friend Barry Carenza on the show. He's a part of the Nintendo Fuse podcast, as well as premium edition games where they print limited runs of Nintendo Switch and PlayStation games. So very exciting. And uh, we talked for three hours, a bunch of, bunch of things. He's just had his little baby boy. So we talked a lot about being a dad and um, he's uh, very knowledgeable about JRPGs and uh, all of that stuff too. We talked about so much. Um, yeah, there's a lot in that three hours. So please go and check out the episode and uh, you know support Barry for um, you know giving his time and his energy to the show. I really do appreciate it. So um, absolutely. All right, so this is uh, I got a bit of an update to my 2023 gaming challenge, and I finished two games since last episode. The first game being Stray Gods, a role-playing musical, and this is a game that when I heard about it, I think I was listening to Kind of Funny Games Daily, their news show at the time, and they brought it up, and I'm like, that game sounds really cool. Hadn't actually seen any screenshots, but I just heard the idea about. A game that is is a musical and you're making decisions and that's affecting the songs and the outcome of the story as you go along. And I'm like, fantastic. That's on my radar and it's coming to Switch. My bloody beautiful. Very nice. And it was only later on that I found out that it's an Australian made game as well. Right here in Melbourne. Not that I'm in Melbourne, but you know, Melbourne's pretty close to me. Good old chill five hours away. Day trip away. Don't take too long. We'll be going there soon for packs. And it's made by a studio called Summerfall Studios. And I'm like, very cool. So, you know, it made me even more excited about it because the idea of just uh, a really new, uh, unique idea coming from Australia, you know, always got a bit of a bias when it comes to Australian games. Our games, uh, 
our game sort of, um, I guess, industry is so small. So it's always always nice to see our country putting out um, some uh, nice creative flair into the world. But the, the idea of the game is that you are you're someone called Grace and uh, basically a god dies in front of you and their sort of spirit goes into you and you become a god. But the other gods in the realm, basically, they say to you, like, look, you're up for trial. You murdered that god. And you're like, bloody, bloody, I thought bloody did not murder that god. Thank you very much. And they're like, all right, you've got a week. Prove it. Get some evidence. Bring it back. Like, Maybe I will. So you go around different gods. And as you're inter- interacting with them, sort of solving their problems as you're going through, you sort of work out that there's a lot of issues going on in this realm. Um, not just, uh, you know, the fact that um, this other god died and that you become a god. There's a lot more to it. So you go around sort of solving people's problems and you do that through the art of music, obviously, since it's a musical. God forbid you could just do whatever. Because your ability, now that you are a god, you can make other people sing, just bring out their emotions through through singing. And um, is that the best power to have? <sighs> Maybe not. Um, especially since this other god died. You know, she could have had a super strength or something to fight off the person that wanted to kill her. But uh, no, she had that. <laughs> but it makes for a good gameplay mechanic as you are going throughout the game, making choices, and they drastically impact the song and the story as you go along as well. And I really enjoyed it. It took me about five hours to complete, get to the end of the story. There's a bunch of different outcomes you can um, affect and trigger throughout the game. So I'm not sure how much the, the, the true ending can change. I think it basically ends up the same, but... From what I understand, there's a different, um, there's like a character where I had a choice and you can just completely change their trajectory. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder what would have happened if I did this or I did that. Um, Makes you sort of think sometimes. But I checked out the album on Apple Podcasts and there's so many versions of every song because there's different choices you can make. But when I checked out the music and I was just listening to it just on the streaming service, I also noticed that like, the music itself wasn't enough to draw me in. It wasn't like, for example, like The Greatest Showman, for example. That's my favorite movie. And I'm typically not even a musical person um, when it comes to like musical movies. But I love that soundtrack and I'll listen to it again and again and again. And I can basically relive the story through those songs. But in this one, it's kind of, they all kind of blend together. They sound kind of samey. And maybe that's just my taste in music as well. And that the actual game, just having the decisions and being able to interact with the game probably um, helped me enjoy it a bit more rather than just the music itself. That wasn't the, the main draw for me. But that's kind of the only negative I've got to go uh, with it. It took me a little bit to get into the story as well. Just, you know, after half an hour, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sort of getting into it now. But it was sort of a slow burn to sort of understand what the hook was and why I wanted to work things out, what the truth was, all of that. So definitely a game I'd recommend. If you're into something unique to support a developer that's trying new things, um, definitely give this one a go. It's not really a cheap game. It's 45 bucks Australian. So it's not just, you know, it's not a throwaway amount of money. It's not 20 bucks or 30 bucks. It's a little bit more, but I, I will say that, you know, while it may be, you know, a decent amount of money for maybe five hours or so, if that's a little bit too short for you. I will say, like, the production values in the voice acting was 
pretty spot on. It's got a really star-studded cast with a bunch of voice actors you would um, recognize throughout the game industry, like Troy Baker, um, you know, other, other ones <laughs> which aren't coming to my mind right now. But there's a there's there's a bunch in there that you probably will recognize if you've played a lot of triple AAA games throughout the throughout the thing. And I dare say they weren't cheap to get. So, you know, the price is understandable on that front. But as far as the graphics go, like the game's not really animated. It's kind of like a comic book as you're going through it and you're going from panel to panel in some ways. Not that you're going from panel to panel as in like it looks like you're reading a comic book, but it's like a still frame. How it's like If someone's running away, it would be like a still frame, still frame, still frame as they're like gradually moving away from you. So yeah, interesting sort of visual style as well. But I would recommend it if you're into murder mysteries, if you're into musicals, if you're into just uh, trying something different, um, definitely give it a go. Because, yeah, for me, I was playing it and maybe if you're a bit more tired and you're not into a big action game that you're really involved in, if you've got to, you've got to like parry at the right time, this is just like a sit back with the Joy-Con, just left, right, choosing your options, press A. <laughs> That's pretty much it. There's, uh, there's nothing else to it. You could play it on a DVD remote pretty easily. So, yeah, it's a recommendation for me. If you haven't tried out Stray Gods, go and pick it up. And uh, definitely add it to your wish list if you don't want to spend 45 bucks. That's understandable. But um, for 30 bucks, or uh, one day it might really go on sale for like 20 bucks, 50% off or something like that. Yeah, 100%. Check it out. Worth checking out before the end of the year anyway. And uh, support a, a group of people that are trying to do something truly different within the Australian games industry. So big shout out to Stray Gods. Awesome game. And the next game I want to talk about is a game that's been in my backlog for so long and it feels amazing to just get it off my chest <laughs> and finally get it done. And that is Marvel Spider-Man on PlayStation 4. I played the remastered version on PlayStation 5. And with the upcoming game, um, Spider-Man 2, I was like, all right, I want to play this. So I've got to finally dust off this bad boy and play Spider-Man on PS4. And it wasn't until it wasn't until like afterwards where I'm like, oh, I, I actually went back and listened to some spoiler casts from from when the game came out and I'm on YouTube and I see that it says like five years ago underneath the video. I'm like, this game's five years old. I'm like 2018. I'm like, oh my God, it is too. That is so long ago. Um, I checked out a kind of funny spoiler cast and the guys like, they look so much younger. I'm like, it's half a decade ago. How has this game stayed in my backlog for so long? It's ridiculous. I love Spider-Man. <laughs> I like I like action games. I like open world games. How did this stay in my backlog for so long? It's, just, um, it's been a, a point of contention in some way. It's been like, where have I been? What have I been doing? <laughs> um, and I, I've been thinking about this, especially since I've been doing some other shows as well in the meantime, and I brought up Spider-Man um, talking on news to reviews, which I was a guest on, go and support Zach on podcast services, news to reviews. I was talking about it there. And Zach, he was actually talking about um, his love for, you know, platinum trophies and trophies on the PlayStation side of, thing, uh, side of things. And that reminded me exactly why I fell off the game. And I fell off because I was in the open world and it says like, Oh, look at all these backpacks, go and get the backpacks. And, uh, that's a collectible in the game where Peter Parker's basically gone around the city of New York and put a bunch of his backpacks around with different, um, different, uh, I guess, references to other Spider-Man universes in there. Really sort of cool to, if you know your Spider-Man stuff, I don't really, but I recognize some things. Um, but yeah, I went around and got all the backpacks. I got the trophy for it. And then I just 
that was my five-hour session and I just sort of fell off of it. And I got no idea why, man. I <laughs> so so frustrating myself. Um, but I think it's like the OCD I get from achievements. I really enjoy trophies. I love going for the platinum trophy. But I think uh, Spider-Man, it really did show because um, I... I think I was, I was like, all right, I want to get the platinum trophy. So I went and got the collectibles. I tried to gold rank like the sort of missions that you do in the game as well, taking down the bases. You can do like certain challenges, like you do a certain amount of, um, certain amount of throws or a certain amount of takedowns, et cetera, et cetera. They're different each time. And then like, if you complete those tasks, you get the gold rank. And I just, I, tr- I remember being stuck trying to do the gold rank and I was doing the backpacks and I was just overwhelming myself to the point where I just didn't pick the game up again. And I think that was, that was kind of where I was with um, other consoles other than Switch for like a long time after Switch came out anyway. You know, there was a, there's a lot of uh, first person, um, first party, sorry, PlayStation games. I just haven't really played because of my time on Switch. And yeah, it's um, a little bit of a shame, but when I went back this time, I'm like, all right, I'll get, I'll get backpacks. I'll see like a waypoint to go to the next mission. I'll get one if it's like a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, as far as when I'm swinging through New, uh, New York. But I'm not just going for the platinum. I'm going to finish the story. going to have a great time. going to finally check this one off. But I'm not going to just spend hours trying to platinum this game. Like, and that's just what I've got to do with games in general. And uh, in some ways, I really do wish there were achievements on Switch. I think I'd really enjoy them. But at the same time, it's not a bad thing to spend now to be like not having that in the back of your head because if there were achievements and platinum trophies and other things that really just satisfy that dopamine hit for the for your OCD, it might be, it might be a different story. But I think it would be fun trying to get like a platinum equivalent for, you know, Tears of the Kingdom, like... I think that'd be awesome. And I might have I might have even played it more. Or might have played it less. Who knows? I might have just been getting all the Koroks and fell off of it and never did the story as well. Who knows? But um that's uh that was how I was feeling about Spider-Man. But you know, the game itself, finally getting back to it, playing the remaster on PS4. <laughs> PS5, sorry. And <laughs> even the remaster, it came out three years ago. You saw Christ, even the remastered ones three years old like where cross what have i been up to but um playing the game it is awesome even five years later it lives up to all of the hype it ever did at launch it's got an amazing story it's uh it plays with the conventions of spider-man really well and i loved every bit of it the the end was just amazing just how much um cinematic quality was put into it as you would expect from a playstation game um, on the PlayStation 4 era. And the gameplay as well, I really enjoyed it. There were some moments where I was, I sort of thought to myself like, am I just mushing square again and again and again and again? And that's how I'm playing, but I'm not I'm not quite sure if that's a Drew problem or that's a that's the game problem. But there are certainly different combinations you can do. You can hold in square, then you press the triangle button, you sort of pull yourself to, to them in the air, you can juggle them about, you can smack them down. And... Um, it was pretty cool. I'm not going to talk about it here, but I started Miles Morales, which is like the spin-off sort of sequel lead into Spider-Man 2. And I feel like they actually introduced a bunch more powers for Miles Morales in that, that um, allowed you to 
shake things up a little bit more. Like at the start, you can like pull their guns away. You can jump and swing into them. You've got like your electric punch, your venom powers. So I think they actually fixed that a bit in Miles Morales. And I dare say that sort of goes on to what they're going to do in Spider-Man um, 2 as well. But yeah, the combat was absolutely fantastic in um, Spider-Man. And what I loved about it as well, just from a presentation point of view, is when you build up enough sort of focus power, you can press as a triangle and circle at the same time. And you do like this cinematic takedown and it just looks awesome every single time. Like that is so impressive. Like no matter what angle you have the camera at or where the enemy is that you're taking down or what it is, it always looks awesome. And it makes you feel awesome when you just do that awesome takedowns, like the, the sound that's happening as well. And when you take them down, it's just uh, just a really, really amazing time. So yeah, it was just so much fun to play. The web swinging is fantastic. It's uh, really, um, really impressive. So just the idea that that was inso- uh, basically Insomniac's first take at a Spider-Man game. They did Sunset Overdrive on Xbox One. And a lot of that sort of mechanic translates really well into a Spider-Man game, just at the traversal of the town and all of that. But they nailed the web swinging. They nailed like the running up buildings. And if you're sort of um, going over rooftops, he just automatically like does a little <laughs> little Spider-Man squirt <laughs> and brings himself forward. Yeah, it's just it's an amazing game to watch and play. And um, I love what they did with the villains. And I can't wait for Spider-Man 2. I'm playing through Miles Morales at the moment. And uh, it's only a short game. I think it's like eight or 10 hours if you, you know, just concentrate on the story. But just amazing. And uh, I'm really looking forward to Spider-Man 2. Um, I'm glad that I finally got this off the backlog. Because to be honest, it's always one of those things in the back of your mind. Like some people bring up Spider-Man. It's like, oh, yeah, I've got to play that, don't I? Yeah, that's right. A little bit frustrating. Frustrate yourself sometimes. But yeah, um, October 20th with Mario Wonder and uh, Spider-Man 2. Going to be awesome. And I'm almost prepared for it. So bloody look out. That's a good sort of segue into the Guru Geek Out. This is a tribute to my late friend, Bobby Pauls, a Nintendo Guru, where I give a geek out and a shout out. And the geek out is actually just like the DualSense Edge controller for PlayStation 5. And I just want to give it a little bit of a shout out. It's a, it's a very expensive controller. It's a, you know, it's a very whatever controller <laughs> as far as battery life goes. But just the way it feels is fantastic. And I just want to sort of talk about the triggers on the DualSense Edge how you can really sort of move, uh, change the, uh, I guess, the movement of them. So you can make them like a full press, like a normal controller on the PlayStation, or you can just dial it right down so it's like a little button press like it is on the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. And for me, I'm playing um, like on the main TV and I'm using like a normal controller. And they do the haptic feedback for the web swinging where they make it like tougher to pull in. And when you're swinging, you're like, pull it in, pull it in. So you're using that index finger a lot. And after a while, I know this is such a first uh, first world problem, but it is what it is. Like, it makes your finger sore. I'm like, what's the point of this? So with the DualSense Edge, I just made it so it's a button press. And uh, I don't need to do the haptic feedback. I don't need a sore finger. And it sounds so dumb. And, and don't get me wrong, I... Um, <laughs> It's not the biggest problem in my life. You know, don't worry about that. But 
it just makes it so much easier to um to play the goddamn game. I'm sure you can turn off the haptic feedback and stuff like that, but it made me appreciate the Switch Pro controller as well because it really frustrates me that they're not like is it not like an analog trigger where like for racing games it just it completely destroys the idea of a racing game on Nintendo Switch where you can't control your acceleration, but you know, for games like Smash Brothers when you use it for the shield, the stuff like Mario Kart when it's just like poof activate an item or something like that, I think I prefer that. It's just, yeah, I definitely um, prefer being able to control the uh, the trigger sensitivity when it comes to playing your games. Because um, on PlayStation, if I'm playing Gran Turismo, I absolutely cannot have it on that little that little button press. I need the full motion of that trigger. But when I'm playing Spider Man, I just want to go with my wrist. That's just what I want. That's what you know what I mean. Just want to be squirting everywhere. That's what I want to be doing. And uh, the shout-out is to my good friend, Josh of Nintendvania. He celebrated 50 episodes of his podcast the other week, and uh, I was really honoured to be invited onto the show to celebrate that with him. And it's really special for him because he has a fortnightly show, so he's been doing the show for two years um, thereabouts. And I can't believe it's almost been two years of him doing the show, and I really love his podcast. You know, he uh, brings on a different guest each episode and, you know, talks about the news and a you know, bunch of different segments within the show. And I've really enjoyed um, listening to it. But more, I've enjoyed really getting to know Josh. And it's been great, you know, becoming really good friends with Josh over, you know, I guess our love for Nintendo and podcasting. And I really do appreciate that. I, I went back into my, um, my DMs and a couple of years ago, you know, Josh reached out and he said, you know, he said, like, I'm thinking about doing a Nintendo podcast type of thing. I can't remember if he asked for advice or not. I, yeah, I can't remember what I would have said. But, you know, he said, oh, I'm thinking about doing it. And here we are, 50 episodes later, he's done it. He's done an awesome job. And we're at the point now where, you know, Josh is, he's come to, he's come to birthdays of mine. He's, he's met my family. Um, both my wife and I were invited to their wedding Um when that happens and, you know, we've become really great friends and that's really special to me because um, over, through doing podcasts, I've met so many friends through doing this and I love so many people across the globe who I would have never met throughout doing it and I hope one day I'll get to meet them in person. Um, but who knows? <laughs> who knows what a, what a turns and twists life will give us. But just the fact Josh is in Adelaide, it's, uh, it's really special that, you know, we'll, we'll close. So we're actually able to, you know, meet up and do things together. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him at PAX in a month's time. And, um, we're going to be doing, doing a lot more things as far as, uh, podcast collaborations and all that goes. So long way of saying congratulations, Josh, for 50 episodes and, uh, looking forward to a, another 50, getting to episode a hundred, doing that type of stuff. And, He's actually moving into a brand new space, a brand new house. Just bought a house. So, you know, massive uh, life changes going on there. But he's going to have his own space. And who knows what creative endeavors he'll get up to in that room as well. Makes a big difference. Like, he's uh, basically in his shared area with his computer and his microphone. But he might be able to yell a little bit louder if he's got his own room. He might be able to scream a little bit. Maybe a little bit like I do if uh, Lucas isn't in bed. (laughs) Uh, Love you, Josh. Hope you're having a good one, mate. Let's move on to the topic of the show. Let's go into Rezzy's rec room. And 
I was thinking about what am I going to talk about this week? What am I going to talk about? And what I want to talk about this week is a game that's actually very near and dear and special to my heart. And I think this series gets a bad rap and it seems like a good time to talk about it now. And that is the new Super Mario Brothers series that started on Nintendo DS in 2006. And I've got very fond memories of this game in particular, the very first game. Um, much like we're in the situation now where New Super Mario Brothers, that was the first 2D Mario game in over 10 years, which is crazy to think about, but it's been a similar amount of time between the last New Super Mario Brothers game and um, Mario Wonder. But this game was super special to me. I remember when I saw it, I was just amazed like what, with what I was seeing. It looked awesome. And a lot of that came from my, just my love of Super Mario 64. Super Mario 64, one of my favorite games, um, if, just on Nintendo 64, I basically, <laughs> I would have stolen my friend's Nintendo 64 if I could to play that game. Uh, I, I just loved being in that world, exploring, enjoying the sandbox. And on the launch of the DS, it was so exciting because we were getting basically a remake of Mario 64, which actually gets poo-pooed a lot, but I don't know, Drew's got a young young man nostalgia for it so i don't poo poo it so much but new super mario Bro- oh sorry uh super mario 64 ds was an amazing sort of remake like while it didn't have the analog stick which the, the whole game was built around you were just playing on the d-pad or the touch screen you know it introduced like a bunch of mini games as well as other playable characters new power-ups as well and of course i could play as yoshi and playing as yoshi was so cool because you could put on the other characters caps so you get Mario, Luigi, and Wario's abilities, um, and that was that was so cool. But moving into like New Super Mario Brothers on the DS, why it was awesome is like you got that move set in a two D Mario game. So you got the you got the the ground stomp, you got the trip. Did you get triple jump? Can't remember. I think you got the triple jump, didn't you? New Super Mario Brothers, and you got the wall jump, and just those things just added so many much gameplay possibilities to like a two D Mario game. And I remember just, uh, when did I get it? I was thinking about this the other day. Like I was trying to piece together my memories of receiving this game. It came out around my birthday and I remember getting it for my birthday. And I think we we're on a trip at the time. We we're on a trip to, um, I think it was like a, a sheep event. Like, a when I was, when I was a kid, my, um, my parents, uh, you know, they uh, went to a lot of like sheep shows and sheep events. They were part of like, you know, a sheep society that, you know, got together and did things. I remember being at this like, it might have been like a university campus, might have been staying there. I just remember like a, just a massive building and we were staying in some accommodation there. And I was a real little kid. I remember just being really bored. There was no other kids. There was nothing going on. Um, but I remember receiving New Super Mario Brothers in the motel room for my birthday present. And I was just so excited. Had my DS at hand and I just remember playing the game just all the rest of the time while I was there. It just, it made a, a long weekend into a very short gaming weekend. And uh, um, it was uh, it was really, really fun just being able to finally jump in and experience those new mechanics in a 2D Mario game. And it might have even been... No, that's not true. It was probably the, like the only second 2D Mario game that I owned. Like I had uh, Super Mario World on Game Boy Advance, but I can't remember if that point I would have had 
Mario Brothers 3 on Virtual Console yet. I'm not sure if I would have played it anywhere else. So really, New Super Mario Brothers is like just a real cultural touchstone for me as far as Mario goes. And I love like the power-ups you get in it as well. There was uh, obviously the the giant mushroom where you turn into just a giant. You can run through the level. It's timed. And after a little bit of time, you go back down to normal size as well as like a really fun um, item as well. I forgot what it was called. I don't know if this was Cooper Mario or whatever, but you turn to a Cooper. You got a blue shell on the back of you. And when you run, like you like withdraw into your shell and then you can just, you bounce around and you can like jump while you're in the, in the Cooper shell. It was so much fun being able to do that. And, uh, um, there was a, a multiplayer game as well. You could do DS download play and you were able to, um, I think I think the idea was to like, collect as many stars as you can. And uh, th- that Cooper power-up was so awesome in that because yeah, you just get into that and you're just bouncing around and uh, you know, you're just going up to your friends and like, like oh, oh, oh. And uh, you do that little hop just to, to throw them off and you get them and knock them out. It was, uh, it was awesome. Um, they didn't use that power up anywhere near enough though. It was only, it only felt like it was in a few levels, which, uh, which was a shame. I would have played it in all the levels, but uh, there was the tiny mushroom as well. This was the first game that the tiny mushroom was in and it was pretty useless. It made you very weak, but you were able to jump very high and the sort of the biggest use for it was, uh, to find secret exits in, uh, in levels. So I remember like one in particular, you get like the tiny mushroom at the very start and you've got to make the whole level with the tiny mushroom, not get hit once. And then you can go out the secret exit towards the end of the level. It's it pretty cool um, as far as like getting all like the, the hidden coins and all of that too. It was a, it's just a really great game, just like multiplayer with DS download play. And it was all, always a game that it only took like four or five hours to beat once you got good at it. So if I was like waiting for another game to come out or I had nothing to play, I always just did like a playthrough on a brand new save file, run through the game. And it was always just like one of my favorite DS games. It was, um, it's a really special game and it kind of sucks that, uh, you know, the series just kept on doing the same thing. Like the jump to new super Mario brothers. Wii made sense. Like it was such a popular game on DS do it again on Wii and, I didn't multiplayer. You know, that's what the Wii is all about is the multiplayer playing together with like the, the helicopter hat and all that. Like it's yeah, pretty cool. Um, but so like, oh, when it came to like 3DS and Wii U, it's like, come on, like a new generation, do something different. Um, especially like the Wii U version. The, yeah. It was a really good game. <laughs> new Super Mario Brothers Wii, but it's just like, it's, it's pretty stale at this point, but where it started off with um, the new mechanics, the, the power ups, the DS download play. It was awesome. It was really great. And you also got the mini games um, from uh, Super Mario Brothers DS as well, which were a lot of fun. It was like Whack-A-Mole. There was like casino games with Luigi. If any of you guys remember playing some of those, which you could just sit there and play poker with Luigi. And that's like a kind of a, a fun use of a night <laughs> as it is. Um, so yeah, there was, there was a bunch to love about new Super Mario Brothers on DS. It's just a shame that the series went on forever, and I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that Nintendo is finally trying something a little bit differently when it comes to what they're doing with the series. So yes, New Super Mario Brothers, awesome game. I actually kind of want to go back and play it now. It's nice to go back to a, a system with a D-pad. 
<laughs> yeah, but we don't have one on Switch unless you're playing a Switch Lite. Which uh, Switch Lite has a good D-pad. So no complaints if you're playing on that. All right. So we got to Doug Bowser's hot takes. And I actually didn't come up with a hot take to try and defend. So try and... Um, what about like what about if I just if I just say New Super Mario Brothers is better than Mario Wonder? Yeah, sure, why not? Let's try that one. Look at my little timer. So yeah, anyway, let's try this one out. If you have any hot takes, you can send them to me at um, my email, Drew at the House of Mario. You can also send me questions or topics you'd like me to cover on the show, or just have a chat with me. Drew at the House of Mario on the email. Good old classic email, eh? Who knew? Who knew? All right, New Super Mario Brothers is better than New Super Mario. Well, I was stuffed that one up. Let's try it again. New Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> the New Super Mario Brothers series is better than Mario Wonder, and here's why. Back in uh, the New Super Mario Brothers series, I loved being Tiny Mario, just run through the levels. No one's seen me. I'm all stealthy. But in Mario Wonder, you play as a big bloody elephant, just blubbing about, smacking things, and barely fitting down warp pipes. What the hell's going on with that? I don't want to be playing as a little elephant. If I want to get big, I want to play as a big mushroom man. <laughs> I want to just be giant Mario stomping through the level, not being a bloody zoo animal. It's bloody ridiculous. Yeah, no, I didn't really defend it that well. But um, anyway, <laughs> it was just off the top of my head. But anybody, guys, anybody, anybody, guys, Jeez Louise. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening to episode 254 of The House of Mario. You can reach me on YouTube and social media at Druby and let me know what you thought of the episode with New Super Drew Brothers. Yes. So on social media, let me know what you thought of the show with the hashtag NewSuperDrewBrothers. But until next time, the doors to the house of Mario, they're closed. I'll catch you later. The House of Mario, a Nintendo podcast, is recorded in the southeast of South Australia. It is produced by me, Drew Agnew, and is supported by my kind and generous housemates at patreon.com slash idruby. Call in for my behind-the-scenes podcast, Secret Recordings, and Heaps Good, the South Aussie take on a conversational show with my good friend Josh of Nintendvania. A huge shout-out to the legends who support me at the iDruby Patreon Megafeed tier or higher on Patreon, including Brendan Myers, Oliver Chaston, Samuel Hay, DJ, and Lemonade. Let's continue to make passionate Nintendo content as we climb the stairs to 300. Thank you.